ladies and gentlemen, the Conservative Daily Podcast is back. And now your host, Max McGuire. But I would like to say his producer's very handsome, very talented, and also here. And now here's Max. Very talented, very handsome, and never says anything bad about his wife, Mr. Producer. Josh. No, I, I, I know better than to open my mouth on that one. <laughs> it's, it's whatever. My whole house has become a doghouse at this point. No matter what I do, I'm in the doghouse. Right? It's, I leave the toilet seat up, I'm in the doghouse. I put the toilet right. seat down, I'm in the doghouse. The dog there's, house, no, right. there's no winning anymore. There's and, no and, winning. Anytime you've got two kids in a household under the age of five, right? It is just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And what, two dogs, uh, when a million we, when cats? We, when we end this show, I go downstairs, and it looks like a war has broken out. <laughs> My son, Max Jr., just whatever happens, it's like his witching hour. I don't know what happens. Right at this, like, three between 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. our time, he just starts savagely beating my dogs. Like, friendly. It's, it's like he wants to wrestle with them, roughhouse, but right, he doesn't have any kids because he's now, yeah. But, like, they don't like it. So there's right. barking, there's him screaming like a banshee, my little kid's crying, and my wife's looking around like, ah, how do I put out all the fires? Where have you it's, been? It's chaos here. <laughs> it's chaos here. I need to yeah, go. yeah. Where have you been? Oh, I've been up working. Um, <laughs> right, since so, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't want anyone to think that I don't love my wife. I do. Um, oh, he just, does. He, it's, you it's, should hear how he talks about It's been a very long, it's been a very long very year of quarantine. It's been a very long year of quarantine of forced nonstop 24-7 cohabitation. It's been a long, and I know a lot of people can relate to that. I know a lot of people can relate. So we do have a caller on the line. We have Eric, who's been patiently waiting on the line. Former law enforcement wants to talk about all of this. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Max? Hey, so where are you calling you hear from? Me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right, I'm so, so you're... Uh, New Hampshire. Uh, I'm actually... Still current law enforcement, uh, retired from the military about five years ago, um, retired after 22 years, and uh, I've been working uh, 21 years in law enforcement part-time now. So, so how's that uh, How's that northern border looking? We got a lot of migrants at the northern border. Yeah. We're still, uh, <laughs> we're about three hours away from the northern border, um, so haven't heard too much up there on the, on the border so far, so that's a good thing. Hopefully it well, stays quiet. New, New Hampshire... New Hampshire, beautiful place. I visited often. I went to school in Massachusetts, and we would always make a run okay. to the New Hampshire liquor stores because it was a little bit cheaper. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> yep, sure. lots of friends yeah, who first, live in New first Hampshire. Exit on I ninety. First yep. exit on I ninety five yep. liquor stores. Yeah, it's big. Um, might as well have big neon signs. College students welcome. <laughs> yep, you got it. You got it. What do you want to talk about? Um, so a few different things. Um, long time listener. Um, so really want to say thanks to you and Joe for the, the stuff you guys are doing. And uh, oh, uh, it's you. obviously been a, a pretty tough, tough year. Um, a lot of uh, military service in my family. My dad was in the army for 22 years. My brother was in the air force for four. I was in the air force for 22. Um, and, you know, we go all the way back to revolution, revolutionary blood. Um, our great grandfather many times removed was general Nathaniel green. Um, so it's uh we got got a long line of service in the in the bloodline, so yeah, it's been been a tough year watching everything that's been going on. But um, trying it's to get a, involved, it's a tough year you know, a for, for people who for people who want to step forward and want to give of themselves yeah. and believe that that right. one man's sacrifice can save the nation. It's been a really tough year, whether you serve or don't. 
because right. it, it's been a year where we all feel very powerless, where where we look yeah. at the common sense of 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 all of the regulations and you realize, wait, there's no science, but there's some unelected uh, health <laughs> health commissioner who just gets to decide the election stuff, right? right? It, all of the stuff that Biden's doing, you, you, you can feel very powerless, but right, it's not exactly. over. And and, this, the last word on the podcast, I always say is the fight, take back the country isn't over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand oh, yeah. up and fight together. It, it feels Absolutely. really, really like a dark time, but it's always darkest just before the dawn. Right, right there with you. Yeah, and I, you know, my brother and I have both spoken about this, and uh, I have never felt more resolved, even in the, you know, 22 years in, my, in the military when I was wearing the uniform, I've never felt more resolved to get involved um, than I have now. And, uh, you know, I've stepped in, I've already been in some of the GOP meetings here in our county. Um, one of the big takeaways that I saw from the first GOP meeting is we got to get, get some young blood infused into these meetings, because up here, it was it was literally like an old folks home at that meeting. Um, yeah. And that's not going to... You're not going to draw people into the uh, from the community and that young blood. So um, that's one of the biggest things that I've spoken with them about. Um, also, you know, I know we can't talk too much about uh, November 3rd, but um, Wyndham, New Hampshire, SB 43. Just take a look at the, that state bill. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're still auditing that, right? They are. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I've been speaking with the state reps on that. Um, so that that is moving forward with an audit. Um and then if uh, if they uncover stuff there, then it may spread out farther into the state. So, yeah, but, you know, being that's one of the situations that really we, we got banned. We got suspended from YouTube for just mentioning that the audit was happening. And I went back after the mm -hmm. audit got approved and said, hey, you can't accuse us of misinformation when we're talking about something that's factual. So I guess we're not allowed to tell right. you what they're looking right. for in the audit, but they are audit. Yeah. That's factually true. Right, right. right. Um, but, you know, one of the things I, I was actually hoping to talk to Joe about as well. So FEC United, um, is there anything up here in the New England area that you're aware of? Because when I was on their website looking around there, I wasn't really able to find much in the New not, England area. There's not yet. There's not yet. I'm not, okay. I'm not like officially like a FEC United employee. I, I support them, obviously. Um, right now, they're primarily based in Colorado and they're expanding. Yeah. And I believe they're going to expand to the states where people sign up the most. Um, so you can sign up okay. even outside of Colorado. And as they look at the signups and say, hey, we have a huge pocket of people who want to go in New York, right? Or other states. I believe yeah. that's that's how they're going to prioritize the expansion. Um, but again, I'm, okay. I'm not so you just gave, officially in FEC. So you yeah. just gave me a, yeah, you just gave me a mission there. Then, so. Yeah, yeah. Get and that and that's the kind of thing where if, if you show up with a list of like 100 people, then there's going to be an yeah. FEC in New Hampshire, right? <laughs> it's one of those things. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this. And, News broke yesterday yeah. that Mitt Romney is polling at 8% in the upcoming, well, in, if the GOP primary for the next presidential race was held today, 8% of New Hampshire residents, Republicans, would vote for Mitt Romney. Is that what you're talking Mitt, about, that Mitt old who? guard running the GOP? Mitt who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't heard his name up here at all. The circles that I've been uh, speaking with, nobody's talking about him. You know, the, the names that are popping up are obviously President Trump, um, Pompeo, um, Christy Nome, uh, DeSantis. Those are the names that, that people are really looking at up here as far as the circles that I've been speaking with. Um, I think, 
you know, if, if President Trump doesn't run the ticket that I would personally love to see is a Pompeo DeSantis ticket. Um, and I would hope that that might lock the White House up for 16 years. But who knows? You know, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think you'd have to fight Floridians to give up. I, know. I, know. I don't think they're going to fight. I don't yeah, think they're just going to let me. him go. Right. And what worries me about that is if he does leave Florida, who ends up there and then yeah. you know, messes that state up as well. So. Uh, yeah, but what I like no, about Pompeo is you know, Pompeo is very level-headed. Um, obviously, you know he's, he's got the America First agenda. Um, everything I've seen and read about him, um, pretty impressed with him. I follow um, Secular Live during the day as well. Um, so, you know, obviously he's part of the ACLJ now. So he's on there quite a bit. You know, Pompeo is very, very impressive. His whole resume, very, yeah. very smart guy. Um, right. I, I think he'd be easily be a shoe in for a vice president, without a doubt. Uh, I, I see right. that. I see that. Uh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? The former vice president, uh, Pence. Oh, yeah, the the traitor. He's yeah. uh, he's now preparing yeah. for a run and setting up some New Hampshire infrastructure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what kind of percentage he draws there. Right, just based on his actions, you know, on November third. I respect the man as far as you know his, his uh, Christian beliefs and things like that. But I think he'd have a hard time with the majority of the country based on on what happened November third. So. Yeah, I, th- I think and, you're you know, absolutely again, right. I don't know the constant. I don't know the constitutionality around what he, what he could or could not have done. Um, but you know, I just I think it's kind of kind of tarnished him. So yeah, it, it absolutely it absolutely has. Well, I, Eric, I, I said before, November third, January sixth. Before before I let you go, I'll give you I'll give you one final word. Um, what do you want to say to everyone? keep up the good fight. You know, this country is uh, a lot bigger than one person. Um, you know, obviously I voted for president Trump. I support president Trump, but what we all need to remember is even if president Trump was there for another four years, that's it. It's four years. This country remains a lot longer than that. And uh, it's going to take all of us to get it back on the right track. Um, you know, I got yeah. kids. Um, I got hope to have grandkids down the line and uh, I want them to grow up in a country that's free and, uh, you know, land of the free home of grace. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. L- live free or die. It's the New Hampshire model. You got it. You got well, it. well, thank you so much for the call, Eric. Really do appreciate it. And your brother is in the comment section on, uh, in YouTube. So welcome Eric's brother in, in the YouTube comment, comment section as well. Um, looking at a lot of things going on today, this one, we're, we're, I mean, it's, it's not that big of a segue. We're talking about the idea that that COVID doesn't exist inside of a legal alien detention center, but it does exist inside of a school building. This is a real Vanity Fair article. Go ahead, Mr. Producer, put up image number four. This is a real Vanity Fair article headline. Biden CDC director, if you're not scared shitless about COVID-19, you should be. <laughs> That's Vanity Fair. That that's that's the headline. That's the headline. And no, I don't have to now make this an explicit. That was a quote. I'm not cursing. I'm just saying what the CDC director is saying and what Vanity Fair is saying. Uh, there are people. There are. Uh, we cannot endorse them. God forbid. The only health advice we can endorse is the WHO slash CDC. But there are other health experts who are saying that we may have already hit herd immunity. And probably, definitely the case in many states 
where, I mean, like Texas, we're well over 50% of the population has either contracted COVID-19 or been vaccinated. So by their definitions, we have probably hit herd immunity. But then Anthony Fauci changes his mind. Well, it's not 50%, it's actually 60. Then when you reach 60, he'll say 70, 80, 90, right? There's always, there's always more, there's, there's, there's always a new, uh, they're moving the goalposts. That's what Fauci does. And now this new thing with the variant, they're saying that there is a variant that evades the tests so you could have it and not even know it. I will say again, <laughs> is it really a pandemic? If the majority of the people who get this mysterious variant have no idea they even have it, no symptoms, no nothing, doesn't even show up on a test. That's that whole whole thing. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, doesn't make a sound. If you have a virus, but no one can even tell it's there, does it even exist? That's the, that's the question I have. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that has, I put that up again, image four. Just, it's just, this is journalism. This is this is journalism in America. If you're not scared shitless about COVID-19, you should be. That is what passes for journalism these days. Complete fear-mongering. Like total total fear-mongering. They're not even pretending at this point. They're just trying to scare you into being afraid. They're not actually showing you anything to be afraid about, just saying that you should just be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Well, I want to know if you're afraid, because obviously the teachers in San Diego teaching those illegal alien kids aren't afraid anymore. 888-441-1121 is our number if you want to call in and opine. Opine, give us your opinion. 888-441-1121 is our number. Yeah, I, I look at this and it's just, it's so crazy. Like I, I can't even believe that we're even having this conversation we know that illegal aliens get more get benefits that they shouldn't get. Remember, every single Democrat on stage during the primary raised their hand, said, nope, we'll, I will give illegal aliens health care. Um, obviously, they won't pay for it. You'll be paying for that through your premiums. You can't add. We're talking about 11 to 22 million illegal aliens in the country. That's probably a low number. And they're talking about an extra 1.2 to 1.5 million entering this year. So you can't add them all to your health insurance plan without your premium going up. And yeah, they might not be in your individual plan, but you can't just add that many people who have pre-existing conditions, have, have other ailments, and aren't gonna pay for it. No, you're gonna pay for it, either directly through your premiums or through your tax dollars with the government subsidizing it. I, I, I don't see how, I, I know that's gonna happen, but this one with San Diego, with them just openly it's not even like they brought other teachers in. It's not even like they have the Border Patrol agents reading them stories, like putting up the little book and reading them stories. They're bringing the same teachers. So the, the San Diego teachers who are not allowed to teach in this public schools, many of them are too afraid, too afraid to teach in the public schools. They're the ones going to the migrant detention facility and teaching the illegal alien children instead. Like that just is like, oh, come on. And, and you think, did no one realize this was terrible optics? And then the more you think about it, no, they just don't care. The left truly believes that they've won. They believe that they've won. They believe that they can push through whatever they want and there's no consequence. And you're just gonna have to sit back and take it. Well, that previous caller, uh, two callers ago, mentioning that she doesn't even bite her tongue anymore. I'm hearing this a lot from people that they're tired of pretending to, to, to be politically correct. They're, they're tired of playing the game. 
because they get nothing for it. They get nothing for it. What's the use of playing the left's political correctness game if they're just going to dehumanize you anyway? Like, why even play the game if they accuse you of being a domestic terrorist just by, for showing up to hear the president speak? Right? Like, why? what's the point of even playing the game if they're just going to call you a white supremacist anyway? Like, they, they've reached the point. They've always called us racist. That's always been what they call us. You're racist if you disagree with us. But they've reached the point where there's no other words to call us. They're using the worst of the worst within the dictionary. They have no more synonyms. We are white supremacists. There is no one more vile than white supremacy. All, every conservative I know spits on white supremacists. We want nothing to do with these people. These are racist. These are, I don't even want to share the same table with them, let alone the same tent within the GOP. But they call us white supremacists. They call us Nazis. Nazism. A, a political ideology that killed 6 million Jews and millions of others simply because of who they are. Calling us literally Hitler, right? Fascists. They've run out of names. They've, really, they've reached the worst of the worst. They can't get any worse in what they call us. So if you're going to be a white supremacist simply for questioning whether this policy should be enacted, then what's the point of biting your tongue? They can't do any worse. Joe likes to say this over and over again. They can't take away your birthday. That's, that's what his line. If you know you're going to get called a white supremacist, a bigot, all that, regardless, then might as well say what you think. You might as well say what you think because they can't do any worse. They've reached the bottom. I don't think they can dig any deeper unless they start throwing us in like re-education camps and things like that. I don't know. We have another caller on the line. We have Ellen. She wants to talk about strategy to get illegal immigrants on the side of conservatism. That's interesting. Ellen, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Where are you calling from? Uh, calling from the Midwest. Okay. I, vague. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, what do you want to talk that, about? Uh, number one, number one, you know, just as an introduction here, I'm not really white and you're not white and they're not black. That's a social construct. And uh, so the terminology is all wrong, but that's beside the point of why I called. Um, really, if we were to help these innocent and some not so innocent, these people who are being herded as, you know, and they're being treated inhuman, but. You said they're opening up the schools for them. There's only reason why they're doing that, because they want to use this as an opportunity to indoctrinate them. So why aren't we doing something like that? And, uh, you know, having this, if we would have access to them, can we get access to them? And can we help these people and present the truth to them? And uh, I think that it might uh, deter a lot of future uh, people uh, at least maybe even the playing field a little bit. I don't know. Can we, can we do something like that? Well, have you ever seen the movie, the exorcist exorcism? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> well, <laughs> basically demonic possession. You, you try and bring a cross into any of these facilities and you're going to see Biden officials just crawling on the ground in agony Right. You're not going to be able to get Joe Biden to let us have a faith discussion with illegal alien children. It's not going to happen. It would be great if the church 
I mean, in this area of the world, you're talking about the, well, where, the Catholic Church. Where are they going? It'd be, it'd be great where if, are they if, if they. Sorry. Who's who's feeding them? Who's this is the other thing? Do we not know who is are feeding the? Where are the trucks coming from? Where are is the food coming from? Do we know where where this is happening? Do we know the details? Because I feel like if we were to delve into the details a little bit more, and just be more observing that maybe there might be other ways that we can, you know, I, I mean, I can imagine uh, that being said. And then also, you know, if I were, uh, had a line into Franklin Graham, I'd tell him to get a tent down there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- that, we, listen, we know that once illegal immigrants, once these, once people from Central America are no longer worried about where their next meal comes from, they are, by and large, Christians, devout Christians, many of them Catholics, just statistically. We know that the older generation, the Abuelitas, right, are devout Catholics. So we know that there is an opening there for them to become part of the Christian family. I mean, they already are, but to be welcomed into that fold and to be not, not indoctrinated, but have it explained to them of why it's important to vote Republican. Because most of these people, I mean, you can't talk about the kids because they're kids and you have no idea what they believe. But the adults, the ones that aren't coming back with murder convictions on their on their belt, the, the, the parents, right? They, they tend to be people who are pro-life. So if you were able to get in there and explain to them, if they ever get to vote, which again, that's a big if and not something I even want to like admit is going to happen. If they did get to vote, you could have that discussion with them say, hey, well, why would you vote for Democrats? They're the Democrats. They're the party of death. The problem is that the Democrats are already in the door. You talk about who's feeding them health and human services. You talk about who's giving them the cots, the blankets, uh, the pillows, health and human services. Right. The government is already but, giving but I think providing we need to know them. as the pub. We need to know as the public is who are health and human services. Where are they located? Who works for them? I mean, this is the thing that it's like this big gray area that I think that when we sit back and we don't really, you know, look into these, you know, mundane details that I think that we could miss opportunities. Yeah, I I, I agree. And and I've said it on the podcast before. There's a there's a scene in the movie Gangs of New York where the Irish immigrants are getting off of the boat. And the first people they see are the politicians running for office, giving them a piece of bread, right, trying to win their vote. The very next people they see are the government officials signing them up for the draft. <laughs> so I, I understand that that this is an opening that that we absolutely could, for lack of a better word, com- convert them to the Republican side. The problem is that they've the the first thing they've experienced in the country is knowing that government is going to take care of them, and that's a that's a really hard thing to break when you're teaching people that you walk in like if you have an illegal alien family walk across the border and they learn that the United States federal government is going to pay $71,000 to put them up in a hotel for six months. It's really hard to convince that person to vote against government welfare programs. It just is. And that's why the old saying is absolutely true. There's no such thing as a temporary government welfare program. So yes, I I agree. And there are some, there are some Hispanic classes of immigrants, specifically those from like Puerto Rico, from uh, Cuban uh, refugees, they're very, very, very Catholic, and they tend to vote much more to the right than the left. But 
along the along the border, we're talking about Central America. It's going to be very hard to get in there because they're already being taught from the first moment they step across the border that no matter what, government's going to take care of them. Yeah, I, I do think though that I I wish I had a bigger brain so that I could you know come up with a better idea so that we could really you know reach these people because I think you know like you said yes they're getting a handout but you know at the same time um, if if we were to level the playing field a little bit with our benevolence toward them and they would see that oh both parties are benevolent and they could make up for their own mind. But if we sit back and we don't do anything and we can't find any opportunity or any way of getting in there, then, you know, and I'm certainly, you know, speaking to myself because I wish I could, if I knew of a way that I could help. And and I think that's the thing that's so, uh, you feel so helpless because, I mean, I listen to you guys all the time and it's just like, but what can I do to help? I just can't be sending just checks. There's got to be more. There's got to be something more that we can do. And I don't really see that, those opportunities uh, in front of me very often. Yeah, well, it, it, it's, it's going to be hard to get into one of these migrant facilities. We played a clip of, of James O'Keefe with Project Veritas just trying to take pictures in front, and they shoot him away. Um, I understand what you're saying. And, and for the last couple months, we've really had to say this is kind of a hurry up and wait thing it's not we're not going to just take back the country this month our whole goal here is to educate 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 to make sure that we build up this movement so the very next opportunity we have to drag these traders out of office we have the numbers to do it right so well, i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> short of a call Thanks to arms talking. right short of a call right. to arms there isn't a whole lot that we can do which is it's really tough right i i hate saying it's a hurry up and wait but there's a reason that this is a two-year, four-year calendar for elections. We have two years to retake Congress and four years to retake the White House. And it's going to take every single waking moment of the day in between now and then to do it, which is why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. Good luck. All right. Well, well, thank you so much for the call. Really do appreciate it, Ellen. Something she said, I'm not going to rag on her because uh, it's great ideas to try and win people over to the Republican Party. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention that none of these people are citizens. I understand the notion. If, if you're going to talk about these people are eventually going to vote, if you're willing to already accept that as, a, as an inevitability, but realize that what we just talked about, which is fine, it, it's a legitimate strategy to win people over. But I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention that what we just talked about was trying to get ahead of the game and convince foreign nationals, non-Americans, that they should report, support the Republican Party. They cannot get citizenship without the Republican Party say so, period, full stop. The only way these people can ever vote is if the Republican Party becomes spineless enough to let it happen, right? If the Republican Party signs off on an amnesty, a pathway to citizenship. Without that, these people can't vote. So I, I get it. We should be we should be proselytizing. We should be trying to convert them to the Republican Party to, to get ahead of that. But I'm not ready to, to get down off the fence and give up the fight to stop them from ever becoming citizens. I still think that's a very valuable fight. How can we possibly? I mean, there are kids. I feel for what happened to the kids. I feel for them. I can't believe I, I can believe it, but I, I, 
I feel for them what they were just put through. And another child just died in the Rio Grande this week trying to swim across. It's really heartless stuff. Heartless stuff is happening to these kids. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. But that doesn't make them like eligible for citizenship. If if that's what we're going to do, and I'm not saying that Ellen's recommending that, and I don't, I don't want to. It's not not ragging on her. I'm just saying it's frustrating because we should be having that fight, and you have to do both, right? I understand the whole thing about your hedging in case we lose that fight. We want to make sure that they're going to vote Republican down the line. Um, and yeah, there are, there are Republicans in Congress who truly believe that if they cave on amnesty, that Republicans are going to get a net positive in votes from newly um, naturalized illegal aliens. I don't see it that way. It maybe I, I don't think that we'll ever make a big enough dent in that community to, to <laughs> over, overcome the massive number of votes that the Democrats will get if they all become legalized, they all become naturalized, and they all register to vote. It's just, to me, that's, I, I don't see it. But maybe, maybe, and if they do end up getting a pathway to citizenship, then it, hell yes, it's up to all of us to make sure they understand the Democrat party is the party of death and everything they learned in Sunday school and growing up about how abortion is evil. If they pull the lever for the, the Democrat party, they are voting for that evil. But again, I'm not ready to, to give up the fight to make sure they're not given citizenship because frankly, I don't think they deserve it. I don't. And that's not me believing I'm superior. I, I believe that we have laws on the books for a reason. And there's a naturalization process for a reason. There's a reason that the law says if you're in the country legally, you are not eligible to vote, period. Done. If you want to become an American citizen, you have to come here legally, not illegally, not breaking the law your whole life and then hoping that some Democrats are going to forgive you for it. You have to come here legally. We have another call. We have Sherry on the line. Sherry wants to call, talk about the illegal aliens as a voting block. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Hi, Matt. Good to see you or talk to you. I'm watching you, but yeah, obviously you can't see me. But yeah, <laughs> you I can just, see me. I can't I see you. To, <laughs> right. I just wanted to comment about, um, you know, here in San Antonio, we have a very high Catholic element. But even mm -hmm. though the Catholics were all were very pro-life, so many Catholics still vote Democrat. And I just feel like a lot of them are voting with their pocketbook and not their faith. Yeah, th that's true. We played on the podcast. I don't know if you watched it. A week ago, two weeks ago, a very, very fiery um, priest in, I believe, Arizona gave a sermon about yeah. that, about how he's just done with Joe Biden and, and with with the pro-choice movement. Um, yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of Catholics, both American and non-American, who who proclaim, who 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 say the, the profession of faith. Right. And then they go out and they vote for the exact opposite. So that, that's not exactly. something that's I, just limited to the illegal alien community. It happens in the United States as well. Right. And Catholic Charities is providing so much for these people. Yeah. Yeah, they you are. Know, so, I mean, they are. And so you would think that they would have some influence, but if it doesn't matter. And the other thing is, okay, let's assume the voting is legitimate. That's the other problem is that, you know, you want to say, okay, we have elections every two years and we can turn this around, but we can't turn this around if our voting system is so flawed and fraudulent. Yeah, which is the, the, the whole purpose, whether it's fraudulent or not, we deserve to have confidence in it and saying and, and the whole notion that, oh, there's nothing to look at and you, and you don't deserve confidence and we're going to actually make it even harder to secure the vote because you don't deserve confidence. That's where I get off the train, right? I'm, I'm still I still have right. an open mind. 
for the evidence, which we still haven't seen evidence. It's still being tied up in a lot of these court cases. I'm, I'm perfectly willing to be proven wrong with hypotheses that we had, but you have to respect the right to, to look at what's in front of you and say, something doesn't smell right there. Maybe even if, even if it was all legitimate, we've identified a way for people to hack the voter or to potentially, um, change votes. We should make sure we close that loophole. And when you see people saying, no, you're not allowed to do that. It just makes my spider sense tingle even, even more. But yeah, no, it's it's really t- it's really tough talking about this. I'm trying to talk about it in a way that doesn't get us completely taken down off the internet one day before our new platform launches. Um, so, Sherry, am I allowed to tell the audience how I know you? Yes, absolutely. Is that okay? So, Sherry was um, my wife's labor and delivery nurse this year, um, <laughs> last year, last year. So she uh, she helped deliver my second son, baby Michael. Um, she's been a longtime listener of the show. First time, I, I think this is the first time you've called in, right? Yes, it is. Um, and it's interesting, you know, cause I had never heard about your Facebook page and your podcast until we talked about it. And, yeah. um, I just, I tell people that the, our memories of, you know, your wife getting an epidural and the anesthesiologist and she was like, Oh, I don't know. Are you conservative, conservative or liberal? <laughs> and he's like, I went to school in Berkeley, you know, you can probably yeah. guess. And then he, and then, and then under his breath, he goes, I'm highly educated. Yeah, 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 yeah. As if that's like that means anything. And everyone who just right. might have missed that, my my wife, when she's about to get the epidural, we're talking politics, and she realizes that she doesn't know the political leanings of the do- guy that's about to stick her with the epidural. So she's like, "Are you conservative or liberal?" <laughs> and, and he says, oh, "I'm very highly educated. I went to school in Berkeley. Why don't you guess?" Uh, <laughs> which I mean, you have a nursing degree. My wife went to college. I have a master's degree. It's just like, come on, really? That's that's. Yeah. That's what oh, we're talking my, about, my right? Husband, right. My husband has an MD. He's a doctor and he has a master's in public health. So, yeah, yeah. we're not like these uneducated people. So, But he just kind of assumes that. And I think there's so yeah, much of that yeah. assumption that people on the left think that all the people on the right are so uneducated. They just don't know. They just don't know. We just need to enlighten them. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you, how, what are the COVID numbers like at the hospital right now? Oh, low, low. In fact, um, we had our last, pick case, I don't know, maybe a week ago. And now we're considered a clean hospital because we don't have any cases and we won't take any more. So that's just because there are plenty of beds other well, other places. Yeah. There's plenty that's available. The numbers are way down. Well, yeah. Well, they were, they were way down last year too, but, uh, <laughs> right. keep going. Well, and also keep just, doing it. Yeah. And here, and where's the logic here? Um, so I'm vaccinated. Our patients are all tested when they come in as inpatients. And if a patient is test negative for COVID and I'm vaccinated, we still have to wear masks and goggles. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, there's just not much logic here. <laughs> and I don't want to, I'm not criticizing it? my hospital. I love my hospital. I won't even name mm-hmm. it at all because I mean, I don't want to get in trouble, but it's a great, great place. It's just that this is the narrative that's being spread through WHO and, you know, we have to abide by that. Well, the the narrative that we're hearing now, it's been follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. Now that we've all followed the science and that we've flattened the curve and that vaccinations are up, right, and herd immunity is up, the new line is, well, it's better safe than sorry. Like there might be a variant out there somewhere that you're not protected against, or the vaccine might fail and you might get it, or you might become an, an asymptomatic carrier even if you're vaccinated. Sorry, better safe than sorry is not science. That's just, you might as right. well pull a magic eight ball out and ask the magic eight ball what we should do at that point. But that's what it's become. <laughs> it's better safe than sorry. Right. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, well, Sherry, thanks thank so much. You so, thanks for, th for thank you so much for the advice. call. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, Good talking you. to you. Thank you for calling in. Really, really neat uh, that Sherry called in. I have I haven't talked to her since last year uh, when my when my son was born. But yeah, no, you uh, you you meet people in all different circumstances, and I uh, met her during my wife's labor and delivery, and uh, it, it it was it was very fun in that moment of of a very stressful moment to have a sounding board where my wife and I could just talk about politics. I, I think it would have been a much it would have been a much harder experience if we had had a nurse similar to the anesthesiologist who was just a, a hard, like a complete liberal. So thank you, Sherry, so much for everything you've done for my family and for calling in to the show. Oh, that, that was that was a fun call. That was a fun call. And any more callers, Mr. Producer? No, sir. Oh, we have dead lines. Yeah, we, we're down to 85 people on our Facebook stream right now. So Facebook really doesn't want to show people our, uh, well, I've been watching <laughs> our, our live stuff. stream. And we're it yeah. was like they were just every five to ten minutes there was this little drop, little drop, little drop. Yeah. And it's I, yeah, I don't think it's drop. our listeners not listening. I think it's really them doing something. I, can I say that? Well, Am I wrong? This is what I think. I think that Facebook, they obviously they put out the notifications. Some people get the notifications, some people don't. Our text message goes out, people get the text and they listen. But I don't think that Facebook is putting our thing, our our video, our live stream in people's news feeds so that they find it after we go live, right? So they might get a notification if they're lucky. Conservative Daily Podcast is live. But if they're scrolling like an hour into our show, I don't think they're getting subsequent notifications or they're finding it organically in their feed. I think that's what, that's what the deal is. Because with Facebook, as we get into that second hour, it just, it drops because they're not showing it to anyone else. So I don't know if that means we need to send another text out. I don't want to blow up people's phones. Obviously, we have a new platform rolling out tomorrow. And I just want to let everyone know there will be bugs. Immediately after we get off this, this podcast, I will be on with the tech team trying to break this, trying to break our new platform because it goes live tomorrow and we have Absolutely. to figure out what works and what doesn't. And there will be features missing that we won't have and that we'll have to build into it. It's going to be probably very rough in the first couple of days, but... I encourage everyone to go over there and help beta test it with us. And we will make sure that we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and DLive as well, just in case there are hiccups that, uh, that force us to take it down. Roz on YouTube is saying we need to stream in the evening. Yeah, we, sh we should. I don't know if that means we have a second show or if we just restream this in the evening. I know this is a weird time. It was great. We had, we had a ton of viewers before Facebook started throttling us. I think also that was because we were all under lockdown. We really started the going every day when we were under the quarantines. Everyone's at home, didn't know what to do. So even if you're working, you also had a TV going or whatnot. Now that people are back at work, obviously this time slot might not be the best time slot for a show that isn't in a complete lockdown. So maybe we, we look at that uh, at different time slot. Maybe we look at uh, an evening time slot or, or just uh, replaying it. Um, I, I like the live. So maybe that, that's a good point, Roz, that we should look at an evening stream. Because I know that right after us, there's a lot of people that go live. It's, it's finding that spot that, that we can fit without going up against someone else that's going to take people. Like, yeah, Carl in the comment section on Facebook just says, just don't go live at 7 p.m. because he watches Greg Kelly. That's, that's the issue. It's figuring out when can we go live to get the most people, but also not compete. Like, I don't want to compete against Tucker Carlson. 
Like what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, and I don't want to compete against Rush Limbaugh. Uh, obviously, Rush Limbaugh is gone, but other like other established radio hosts um, that have their set time slots. So we're gonna have we're have to figure that out. Um, what we might try it out with a restream and see if we get more viewership with a restream later at night. Then maybe we switch it. I don't know. We'd have to we have to figure it out. Or maybe we get to the point where we can have multiple shows a day. We have a daytime show. And we have a nighttime show. That would be great. Um, be a lot of work. But that would be <laughs> that would be great. Um, Collier says replay. I have others I watch in the evening. Yeah, and, and and this is the thing that I'm so appreciative of. We go live two hours a day, and there are people every day who watch us. And I know that your time is valuable. I know that your time is valuable, and it is a hard ask to ask anyone to give two hours a day of their life every single day to the, to the experts who watch us on YouTube at twice the speed. That's, <laughs> that's the way to do it probably, but I'm super appreciative of everyone who watches, even if they just devote a little bit of their time. I know everyone's super, super busy. Um, I, I can't thank you enough as we build out this platform, as we build out this company to provide a one-stop shop for all conservative organizations to have their, all their tech needs met so they can't be deplatformed. Um, it, it, I'm super grateful that I'm able to call all of you friends, even if I haven't met you, I don't know you nearly as much as Sherry, right? I know I Sherry very, very well. She was there for the birth of my son, but I, I consider you all to be very close friends and, and comrades to borrow a Marxist term, because we say this every day. I say this every day. That we don't use that language here. And I use it comrades. Um, conscripts that <laughs> we, we say this at the end of every show i say it, that the fight to take back our country really isn't over it isn't it might feel like the walls are closing in it might feel like there's no hope but it isn't over right I, you look at joe biden can you i would be i would be completely a mess if barack obama was president right now because yeah sure he he, he was he he's much more to the center believe it or not he was much more to the center than the, today's left is Right. He, he I don't think he would have won in today's environment if, if he had ran for the first time. But I'd be much more worried about Barack Obama because he actually has a head on his shoulders. He actually knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's wrong. Right. And he makes stupid decisions. But the guy obviously can put together a sentence. Right. You can be intelligent and also be wrong. Being intelligent doesn't mean you're always right about things. He's just very learned. He's read a lot of books that give very bad opinions, right? Very bad policy proposals. I would be terrified if he was in office because if if Barack Obama, a, a president who could actually write his own executive orders and 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 not need someone else to tell him what to say, who to call on, we'd be in a much worse position right now. Like, yeah, things look bad. But the fact that Joe Biden is the potatoes, he is weekend at Bernie's. At least that provides us an opportunity to keep fighting and to live to see another day, live to fight another day. Because we're not talking about, we're talking about the Republic. The Republic is at stake. The future of this Republic, our children, our grandchildren's future is on the line right now. And what gets decided now will have lasting ramifications for generations to come. I mean, Joe Biden just said he, he has a 2.5, I think it was $2.5 trillion infrastructure bill. You look into it, and it's only six hundred fifty billion for roads and bridges. It's another complete lie. A Green New Deal giveaways. These are things we have to fight back against with everything we've got. Because if they push even a couple of these things through, 
especially look at HR1, which is our fax blast today. If, if they get even a couple of these things through, oh boy, it, it's going to be so much harder. It's going to be so much harder to win. So we have to fight with everything we've got. We have to fight like we have no tomorrow because if they get their way on some of these things, there won't be a tomorrow. And I don't want to be doom and gloom. I don't want to be, I don't want to like exaggerate, but there are things that they're trying to push through gun control. It is a, is a real fact. If the Democrats get what they want, people will die because they will not be allowed to arm themselves or they'll be implementing some wait period. Look, there are plenty of cases in, in places like New Jersey where people have signed up for a gun permit and they've been killed waiting for permission from the government to buy a gun, killed by an, an, a, a stalker, an angry ex. Real stories. So there's a lot on the line. And if we make even the slightest mistake, if we let even a little bit buy, if we compromise on anything, Listen, I, I love compromise just as much as the next guy. If, it, if, it, if that's what it takes to actually get things done, fine. But compromise should mean both sides get some of what they want. With the left, compromise means, oh, you give the left half of what they want and you get nothing. That's what they've always said compromise is. So no, I'm, I'm out on that compromise. That's not compromise at all. Not, no way. So yeah, we fight everything. Everything they're trying to push through. And we have to fight like there is no tomorrow. Because if they get their way on this stuff, there won't be. So I, I wanted to end on a couple things. Um, I'm sorry that this ended up being a little bit more of a, of a stream of consciousness final hour. Had a very busy morning this morning. Had to bring my first son, Max Jr., to the doctor's office. He was very pumped about that. No shots today, so he's very pumped. Got to go to the doctor's office and be happy. I have a picture, if you want to see, of him getting ready to go to the doctor's office. Put up my screen, Mr. Producer. This is Max Jr., all masked up. I told him he didn't have to wear the mask, but he, he, he likes it. He thinks it's funny. Uh, I'll have to educate him on what that means later. Uh, but that's him with his backpack, and it's, it's full of dinosaurs. His backpack was full of dinosaurs. I don't know why, but he wanted to bring the dinosaurs to the doctor's office. Um, we can take that down. And I mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier that today is a very important day. Unconnected with my son going to the doctor's office. Today is... Trans Day of Visibility. Happy Trans Day of Visibility. As if they were invisible, you can't go anywhere without having trans identity BS shoved in your face. But I digress. I want to show you, though, just how crazy this trans movement is getting. This, is, this was put out by Star Wars. Go to my screen, Mr. Producer. This is what Star Wars put out today and I'll read it. In honor of Trans Day of Visibility, we're proud to unveil an exclusive cover highlighting Tarek and Surette, trans non-binary Jedi currently featured in Marvel's The High Republic comic. We support trans lives and we are passionate and committed to broadening our representation in a galaxy far, far away. I'm, I'm stunned. You watch the beginning of Star Wars movies. It says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So the, not, the madness of this trans movement has now been supplanted into a galaxy far, far away. And you can't even follow Star Wars without having non-binary Jedi. I'm sorry. I have yet. I mean, sure, there, there are stories in Star Wars where the man falls in love with the woman. But sexual identity has never been something that was really 
picked apart in Star Wars. You go back to the original trilogy, no one was ever, I think that guy's gay. It was never even part of it. You start wondering why more and more people are turning off Star Wars. I like The Mandalorian, but I don't know if I'll watch it now that they got, of a, got rid of Gina. This is why people have been calling for like Kathleen Kennedy's head. The, the, the people in charge of Star Wars and Lucasfilm. They've been calling for their head because they're injecting this nonsense into the brand and people turn it off. So I have no interest in reading this comic book. I don't read comic books, but I definitely won't buy that one. But just want to show you that is what Star Wars is doing for Trans Day of Visibility. Celebrating trans lives in a galaxy far, far away. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. Oh, actually, we have one more caller. Is she still on, Josh? Yes, she is. Okay, we'll, we'll go to Tiana. I don't want to leave Tiana hanging. Before we, ha we hang up, Tiana uh, wants to talk about illegals. Um, Tiana, welcome to the show. Sorry, I didn't want to leave you hanging. I wasn't looking at the messages from, from my producer. I appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Um, hi. So the main thing that I want to talk about, mainly because I'm so ticked off about it, is the fact that, you know, they're letting all of these illegal kids into these schools, now, mind you, I have two younger brothers who are in high school, and neither one of them can have in-person learning all five days of the week. My brothers have been struggling to be able to go to school, but they're over here letting all these kids in, just doing whatever, you know, oh, you can learn, you can learn and spread yeah. this horrible, deadly disease just all over the place. It's, why is it? It makes no sense at this point. It's just, it's getting so infuriating to watch just how much of a decline our economy, everything is going. It's yeah. just so insanely infuriating. My son is about yeah. to start school. I don't even want to send him to school. I'm in a debate with his father about homeschooling him only because kids need to have social interaction to develop. But yeah. most people don't want to send their kids to school because of this stupid shit. I'm sorry. But, you know, because of this. Yeah. It's just no, it's I, terrible. I, I... It, I don't know if I want me and my wife, we've talked about Catholic school to get them out of public school, but that might not even be a right fit. And as I said, my wife is, mm -hmm. is a registered teacher. She could, I guess, technically homeschool. I think it's really hard to homeschool a kindergartner. I probably would want to put him in kindergarten through maybe first, second, third grade, and then have do homeschool once he understands what school is. I can't imagine doing homeschool yeah. just with no idea of what school even is because he just sits around and watches dinosaur videos all day. Um, but yeah, no, a lot yep, of people are time. having this conversation. <laughs> a lot of people are having this conversation. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Can we provide, can we provide the education they need, the moral compass that they need? If no matter what we tell them, we're going to put them in a private school and they're going to teach them the opposite, right? Is, is it mm -hmm. really worth it? And a lot of people are saying no, even if it means they have to homeschool. There was a, I tried to get it on your guys' video yesterday about the vaccinations because mm -hmm. I had, um, I had an interesting conversation with a vaccination coordinator. I'm not going to mm -hmm. give her location for like privacy reasons, but I had talked to her about the COVID vaccine because, you know, my daughter was going in there and I had seen that they were doing a study for six months to 11 year old for mm -hmm. the COVID vaccine. And I asked her, I was like, is that a real thing? She said, yes. 
you know, parents are signing their kids up to be in this study and they get compensated for it, which is a messed up thing. And she had asked me, she looked concerned and she asked me, did you get the COVID vaccine? And I said, no, I'm, uh, I don't want to put it on my body. I don't know what's going to happen in a few years. And I'm going to be 100% liable if something happens. And she goes, well, good, because what they're not telling you is that women who are breastfeeding their children and get the COVID vaccine, by the time they get the second COVID vaccine, they are hurting their kids, which sounds terrible. But whatever the vaccine is doing is killing these babies. And no one is talking about it. There was a woman who had gotten her second dose on Wednesday. And by Thursday, her newborn was in the hospital. I'm sorry. This is really upsetting. But her baby was in the hospital and died that Saturday over the COVID vaccine, which is so safe. And they're pushing down everyone's throat and just wanting everybody to get it. It's not FDA approved. And it's sickening. They're they're killing babies with this vaccine, but it's so safe. And they want everyone to put it in their bodies. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And she even said, you're super passionate. Just want, just to make sure, for the record, Miss Producer, we have to we have to bleep that f word out. <laughs> we can get sorry. away with, call, so with calling something shitless. No, it's fine. You're passionate about it. Listen, no, I don't I don't blame you, Mister Mister Producer. Just Mister Producer is going to go home to his his wife a little later tonight because he's going to bleep that out. <laughs> no, it takes like a minute. Okay, it takes like a minute. But um, I had no, asked yeah. her, you know. Go ahead. If it was if it was her, would she get the vaccine? And she looked at me and she said no. Now she's a vaccination uh, vaccination coordinator for the state that I live in. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. But she's one of the chairmen. <laughs> you know, she's big up there, and she even said, you know, as far as it goes with the COVID vaccine, they're not trying to make military military members take it. There are some in the military that are like, oh, it's highly recommended. You should do it. But she goes, until they make it mandatory, which they can't do, until they make it FDA approved, I will not be getting that vaccine. And even after they yeah. approve it, we don't know the effects on it. We don't know what's going to happen five years down the road. And there's nothing that anybody can do about the vaccine or if something happens about it. Those yeah. babies that passed well, away, there's nothing those parents can do about it. Nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, if, if I haven't seen that, if that happened, that's terrible. Um, what I've said from the beginning is we we railed against the left for saying that everyone who got COVID and died later died from COVID. I would just be very, I would caution you that obviously that's a terrible story. Someone got the vaccine, and their kid died the next day. Definitely worthy of further investigation, 100%. And if the vaccine was responsible, then that's that should be a nationwide story and we should pump the brakes on that without a doubt. Um, just, I, I always, I tell Joe that's this. Yeah, I tell I tell Joe this. I, I'm always just very cautious because we shouted as loud as we could when the left was saying everyone who died with COVID actually died from it. When it isn't actually true, lots of people got COVID and died from other reasons. We covered this on the show. One guy mm-hmm. shot himself in the head, and he was COVID positive, so they said COVID killed him. Right? Not everyone yeah. who dies. The same is true for the vaccine. Not everyone who dies after getting the vaccine died because they got the vaccine. Um, so. They're doing lots of research on this. And yeah, you might not trust the research and that's completely fair. Um, but until the research comes out, I would just I would just let everyone, I would advise everyone, don't fall into the same trap that the left did and and don't presume 
that that there was one cause. Obviously, with that story you just said with the baby dying, that that is not the same as a seventy eight year old passing away, and that definitely deserves more yeah. attention. Um, it does. I just always I'm I'm always very cautious about that um, because we want to we want to hold ourselves to a higher standard than the left, and and we don't want to make the same I don't want to call them fallacies, but but we don't want to make the same logical leaps that they do. Um, well, Tiana, I, yeah. I appreciate the call. I really, I really, really do. And, and I, I hope you figure out what you want to do with your kids yeah. in school. I, I got to cut you off because we're up at, against the end of the show. Um, but thank you so much for calling in and, and call in again when we have more time. Okay. Oh, and we cut her off. Yeah. Tiana, call in again when we have more time. I'd love to talk to you more about this. Just, we have to cut off because we're at the end of our two hours. So that's going to be it for the end of our conservative daily podcast for today tomorrow is the big day we go live we go live on our new platform barring any unforeseen um catastrophic failures of the test that i'm about to basically put it through so that will be included in the text message for tomorrow so if you want to get that text and you don't already make sure you sign up for our text alerts very very important you can find that i believe that's in the description um, it might not be. We might have to re-add it because I think I took it out when our text was down. But also make sure you sign up for our email alerts. We're going to email out about it tomorrow. So there is a link in our description to sign up for our email alerts. If you haven't already, do that. Um, and we'll post on Facebook. We'll post on YouTube. We'll post on DLive. All different places, all, all different ways for you to, to reach us at our new platform if it goes live tomorrow, which I'm hopeful it will. So make sure you look out for that. We will continue to go live on YouTube, Facebook, and DLive until we decide not to. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to make sure that we go live on all four, just in case, for whatever reason, our new platform goes down. Um, so make sure you prepare for that. And again, that will be included in our email blast tomorrow and our text message blast. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you sign up for the audio version available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean. Can you tell that I've memorized that already? Yeah, memorized it. Go to any of those places. If you have an iPhone, iPad, MacBook, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Very, very important. Help us rise up in the rankings. We go live Monday through Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, DLive, and soon to be our own platform. Make sure you like and follow our Facebook page. Subscribe, hit the bell for notifications on YouTube, and follow us on DLive. And now we can finally take subscriptions on DLive. I believe it ends up being $5.99 a month. I don't think we can change it, but we get all of that subscriptions on DLive. We're going to roll out more benefits for subscribers. Uh, but if you subscribe, you'll get a nice little little badge next to your name. Help support the channel and, uh, and brag to everyone else in the DLive comment section that you subscribed and they didn't. So if you want to support the channel, feel free to subscribe on DLive. First day, we're allowed to offer that. If we get 20 subscribers, we can reach the next level on DLive, get more access to tech and things like that. So um, challenge to you all. If, if you can't, that's fine. But if you can, feel free to subscribe to us on DLive and help us reach that next level. Make sure you check out all the links in the description. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. Again, my name is Max McGuire. Joe had to jump out early. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country isn't over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.